0: Yeah, how about that? I am a child of God. That's a, that's a great truth. I hope you uh, really uh, rejoice in that this morning. Um, well, this winter has been pretty good, huh? It seems like whenever it does snow, it's Saturday night or Sunday morning and not anything major, but just enough to make it a little irritable, Right. Like, maybe you got to get out the snow shovel or the snow blower a little bit and whatever. No, Terry, you didn't? No. Um, well, I didn't do it Friday, so I had to do it this morning a little bit anyway. But hey, it's great to have you here this morning. And hey, this past Friday night, uh, about 20 of our Heritage family uh, worked side by side with our brothers and sisters from Parker Hill Church as we partnered with the Tim Tebow Foundation and their night to shine. Um, Some of us began getting ready for this night back in late September. We, I think, had our first meeting back then, and, and we began talking about and praying about and dreaming about what this night could become as an opportunity to serve a special needs segment of our community, Uh, but as well as an opportunity to talk about Jesus to many others who don't know him. And uh, then a couple weeks ago, uh, I don't know how many total, that 20 and a number of others as well, uh, spent either Sunday afternoon or a couple of, of hours on that Thursday evening of that week in training and preparation for the big night. Uh, there was a lot of excitement as we walked through uh, what that night was going to look like. Um, we met with the people that we 'd be serving with, and it was i mean it was it was a blast it was so much fun. It, was, uh, it raised for me, it raised the level of excitement and enthusiasm, and I was like, wow, this is going to be so cool when we get to that night. Um, and then in the office this week, that's all we could talk about, or at least that's all I was talking about, and, and um, uh, we were, were thinking about all the details and what was going to uh, come about and then came friday do you remember friday we had the monsoon hurricane rains right and uh i mean it was pouring uh into the morning and uh and then all of a sudden just boom like that it turned to snow and and we went from hurricane to blizzard i mean just in minutes right and uh And all of a sudden all the schools are letting out and everybody's going home early and and the wind picks up and then we're talking about ice and and the roads are ugly and and we're wondering what is going to happen with the big night tonight, the night to shine because we can't cancel. It just doesn't work that way, but we're talking about our guests, our people with limited mobility, and what does all this weather do for that, and 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 then it was just, we're there, and just at the perfect time, it clears off, huh? And we had a great night. I'm telling you, I was all day long nervous as a cat, and and I don't even like cats, but you know, it's like... But I'm, I'm in my office looking out the window and then I'm running out front and looking at Michelle and looking at the snow and then walking back to my office and I'm, and I'm like, oh man, this is going to be good tonight, but what's going to happen? And I don't know. And, but it, I'm telling you, with anxiousness and anticipation, we got there and it all came off as planned. I got to tell you, it was an over-the-top amazing night. And for our people who were there, and part of it, it was just a thrill. And then as we began to think about a year from now, when we do it right here, wow, that's going to be so exciting. Thinking about that night. Well, Jesus spent about three years preparing his disciples for a big day. For the day when he would leave them, For the day that they would begin to carry on the work that he had begun without him. Carrying on the work that Jesus had started without Jesus. And as Jesus was preparing the twelve, and others along the way, but the twelve, for that day, another day came a different day. And that was the day that Jesus died on the cross to pay the debt that the world, that all men, that all of us, to pay the debt that you and I owed God because of our sin. And though Jesus had talked to the 12 about that day, And all that that meant, and that it was coming, they still weren't quite sure of all that was happening. And the night before Jesus was crucified, He was arrested. And when that happened, and the twelve were with Him, the disciples that He'd been training for three years, the Bible tells us that all of the disciples fled and deserted Him. All of them. It wasn't just Peter who denied, yes, verbally, we have that story. We know all about that three times. But the Bible tells us all the disciples took off that night. And you got to wonder, what about that three years of training that Jesus had spent with the 12? Did all of that just kind of go out the window as Jesus is arrested right in front of the disciples And scripture tells us, the Bible tells us, they deserted him and fled. Wow, well please open your Bibles with me this morning to Matthew chapter 28. Matthew chapter 28. We're gonna start with the first 10 verses and if you don't have a Bible or a tablet or a phone or some other means of following along, there should be a Bible underneath the chair in front of you, you can grab that Bible if you'd like to follow along with us page 698 in that Bible. And it was after the disciples fled that night that Jesus was arrested, three days later came the greatest day in history. The greatest day in history. Jesus rose from the dead. He'd been arrested and he'd been crucified and he was buried, and three days later, Jesus rose from the grave. And we're going to look at a little bit of that story because it leads into what we want to talk about as it relates to our mission today. And so in Matthew chapter 28, starting at verse 1, just follow as I read... The angel said to the women, Do not be afraid for I know that you are looking for Jesus who was crucified. He's not here. He is risen just as he said. Come and see the place where he lay. Then go quickly and tell his disciples, He is risen from the dead and is going ahead of you into Galilee. There you will see him. Now I have told you. Verse 8 So the woman hurried away from the tomb, afraid yet filled with joy, and ran to tell his disciples. Suddenly, Jesus met them. Greetings, he said. They came to him, clasped his feet, and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee. There, They will see me. Now, Jerusalem is down in the southern half of Israel. Galilee is in the northern section, almost the farthest north of of Israel. And so when he says, go to Galilee, when he says, uh, you tell my brothers to go to Galilee, there they will see me. Uh, There was a distance involved. Uh, Remember, it was always walking. They didn't have trains or buses or whatever else, cars certainly. And so that's what Jesus told the ladies to tell. That's what the angel told the ladies to tell the disciples. Now they, we'll find in a minute, had already had an idea, had already heard from Jesus that, that this is what would happen. Because now we jump down to verse 16 of Matthew chapter 28. Verse 16. And in there we read, then the 11 disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. Somewhere along the way, Jesus had told them to go to a mountain in Galilee. They knew where it was. Jesus told them to be there, and that's what they were to do. So we find that that's where they went. They went to the mountain where Jesus had told them, verse 17, When they saw him, they worshipped him, but some doubted. Now, that word doubt can also be translated hesitated. There was still in the minds of the disciples, I'm sure, some hesitation about what it would be like to again meet Jesus. Now understand they already had met with Jesus a couple of times. Easter Sunday evening, he had met with them in behind closed doors, right, without Thomas. A week later, they met with him again in that same room. This time, Thomas, the doubter, was there, if you remember that. So within the space of a week, about seven or eight days, they had seen Jesus twice, but now... I believe and in studying that that this meeting on the mountain in Galilee was after that. So probably a few days later, we don't know exactly, but in that time frame is when they met Jesus on the mountain and when they first saw him well, when they saw him here the first on the mountain they worshiped but some doubted. Now we're told also some believe that uh, if you remember in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 after the resurrection, when Paul's telling that, recounting all the details of that, that there was naming the different witnesses, the different individuals who had seen the risen Lord. And one of the groups of witnesses were told there were 500 who at one time saw Jesus. There are those who believe that those 500 who saw Jesus did so here on that mountain in Galilee. You can't know that for sure I don't believe that I don't know It might might have been We're told the 11 in verse 16 Went to Galilee And they met there Whether there were others I don't know Because that's how some try to explain away the doubting How do you worship and then doubt? Well I think you understand who Jesus is They knew they'd already seen The risen Jesus a couple times If it's just the 11 And I'm going to go with that for now but when the doubt came, they're still again. Remember, the night Jesus was arrested, they all fled. They all deserted him. What do you think they must have been thinking now when they're going to meet him on a mountain in Galilee? Was there anticipation and excitement? Like I described, for night to shine? Maybe. They would already seen him a couple times. Was there fear or anxiety? Maybe a little embarrassment? Maybe they're wondering, I hey, know, is this like going to the principal's office? Are we in trouble? Is Jesus gonna blast us for deserting him when he was arrested and running? Didn't we learn anything in those three years that we were with him and in which he was teaching us and and we were with him regularly? Well, as we take the time this morning just to listen in on exactly what Jesus told his disciples in these couple of verses to follow. That day on the mountain in Galilee when Jesus told his disciples what he wanted them to do after he left them. And and why, you might say, do we need to know about that? Why is it important that we understand what Jesus told those disciples? Because what Jesus told those first century disciples is also exactly what we his 21st century disciples need to know the church today needs to do right now the message the mission that he gave to the disciples to the 11 is the same mission the same message that you and i as believers in 2020 have a responsibility to follow through with jesus said to them in verse 8 now here it is some doubted they wondered here it comes what's he going to say well it's nothing if there was fear or anxiety or embarrassment or worry They didn't have to because Jesus in verse 8 came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. We're not in trouble. As a result of the resurrection, Jesus, the Son of God, has been given all authority in heaven and on earth by his Father. God the Father has given Jesus all authority in heaven and on earth. So the people and events in that world that may have seemed so out of control, so unexpected from what the disciples may have been thinking, and for you and I, every day we wake up, there's something new, it seems, going on in our own country or around the world, and... And we hear all about that and the people and events in this world that seem out of control are actually the result of the complete providential control of Jesus over all things, heaven and earth. And we must never forget that. That's the sovereignty of God. That's the all authority that God gave His Son over all things in heaven and on earth. He is in charge. So now, because Jesus has sovereign control over everything, in verse 19 we read, is, there's a, a break. Therefore as a result of that all authority over heaven and earth. Therefore, Jesus says to the disciples, and he says the same thing, the message is to us as well today. Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Their mission now, Jesus is giving the the disciples a mission, their mission. We call this text the Great Commission. And he's saying to them, your mission is to go make disciples of all nations. That's our job. That's why we're here as believers, as followers of Jesus, as disciples, to make disciples of all nations. Now, as we look at that verse, I've got some things on the screen highlighted. The main verb of these verses, the main verb is... Uh, make disciples. That's the emphasis. That's the major emphasis for the disciples and for you and I today. And as Jesus teaches them, that's what he wants them to know. You are to make disciples. Now, there are three participles, and I'm not going to give you an English or a Greek lesson here today, but I want you to see these words. So the first one there, go and make disciples. And and it's interesting the connection that is there. That is an imperative. The make disciples is an imperative. And uh, don't you just love when that happens? Did that scare anybody? Oh, there it goes. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, there we go. Make disciples is an imperative. It's a command. It is not a suggestion. It is not an option. For the eleven, for you and I, it is our responsibility to make disciples, to go and make disciples. Now, when Jesus tells them to go disciple all the nations or make disciples of all the nations, again, the emphasis is on the making disciples. But the go must happen before make disciples can take place. In the word order, but it's more than just the word order. The word go has a special, unique connection with the make disciples. And what that means is make disciples is an imperative verb. That means it's a command. The go is also then added, connected to that. And the go becomes an imperative. We've got to go. You may hear sometimes people explain it or read it or talk about uh, v- verse 19 as saying that um, in your going or as you go, in other words, like, well, in your daily going around, the, the journey, your way each day, just as you're going, as you have opportunity, make disciples. No, that's not at all the emphasis, what the the meaning of of what Jesus is telling them. He's saying you must go and make disciples. It is a command. It is an imperative. That's what they were to do. That is what their mission is. That is what our mission as believers today is as well. The disciples were told that they must go fish for men do you remember back when jesus first called peter and his brother andrew right and he said follow me come after me and i will what i will make you fishers of men now at the end of jesus earthly ministry He's getting ready to go back to heaven. He's gone to the cross. He was buried. He rose again. Now he's going back to heaven. And he's saying to them as they're just about ready to pick up the mantle, to take up the mission that Jesus had started and work at that, he's saying, you now follow me and go make disciples. Go fish for men. That was the job. Go look for people without Jesus that you can give the gospel to. And then as you follow on, he says, go disciple, go make disciples of all nations. Then we read, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And verse 20, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. To the other two participles, they're baptizing them and, and then teaching them to obey. Those, each of those words there, those actions for the disciples to follow through are the means by which as they go and make disciples that those individuals that they reach with the gospel will become disciples. So as we go, the idea in that is if we're going to make disciples, they've got to come to a a place where they believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, where they receive the truth of the gospel, where they understand that Jesus died in their place for their sins, right? So if disciples are going to be made, you see, discipling isn't just something for people who already know Jesus. We many times think discipleship is about helping people who already believe to come to, to grow, to mature. That is certainly part of it. Without question. That is part of it. But on the other hand, the idea, it begins, discipleship begins with salvation, We talked a couple of weeks ago that when a person becomes a disciple, they are becoming first a follower of Jesus. They must believe, they must accept, they must receive the truth that they are sinners, that Jesus died in their place to forgive their sin and by faith receive the gift of salvation. When that happens... And conversion takes place. They now are the beginning step of a disciple. But this is a process, this three-step process that Jesus said the disciples are to be involved in. Making more disciples. Becoming disciples who make disciples. Really, by definition of the word disciple, you can't be a disciple if you're not making a disciple if you are not fulfilling this mission that Jesus gave to the disciples and to you and I as 21st century disciples, something's wrong somewhere. We're missing the point of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. We must go and make disciples. And once people trust Christ, the process continues. They're baptized. And then they're taught to obey, not just taught. Head knowledge is a great thing, but it's more than that. One writer put it this way, disciples must not just understand what Jesus has commanded, as foundational as that is, absolutely, that's where it begins. But they must also then obey it. You see, God's word isn't just to fill our minds with knowledge. God's word is to change our hearts so that we live out the truth of the commands that Jesus taught us in his word. That's what Jesus says, teach them to obey that which I have commanded you. And it is critical if an individual is going to be a follower of Jesus. As we talk about sometimes a fully devoted follower of Jesus. They must be baptized and then obey all that Jesus commanded. They need to be taught. That's what Jesus said. Teaching them to obey all that I have commanded. Then we have the discipleship process in place that's what Jesus told the disciples their jo- their job was now i don't think that's the first time that most of you have heard that it may be for some of you here we call that the great commission we call that the mission of the church We call that the mission that Jesus gave to the eleven, but he gave it to you and I as well. And that new mission, you see, the difference was they were there when Jesus was there on the earth. He was, they were reaching only the nation of Israel. But as the church began, they were to reach, and as Jesus says here, to disciple all nations, not just the Jews. And the new mission was all to begin on a day, not many days from this day they met Jesus on the mountain, when Jesus would give the disciples, when he told them about that day that they would then take up that mission and get going. Now, I want you to read with me in in Acts chapter 1 what that's all about. If you want to look at it, I don't have it on the screen, but if you want to follow it, follow along and just listen. But Acts chapter 1, starting at verse 1, because here's where the mission begins. Here's when the mission begins. And I want you to see this. I want you to see the connection. And you can follow pretty much to the end of the book of Matthew, where we are, the end of the book of Mark, the end of the book of John, the end of the book of Luke, for those of you who may not be as familiar with the Bible, if you're here with us today, about halfway through your Bible, it, it's divided in what we say the Old Testament and the New Testament. And about halfway in is where Matthew, that's where we are here, Matthew begins. And, and Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, as, as you know, are the, the stories of Jesus' life and ministry when he was on this earth and how he met with the twelve, the disciples, and trained them for about three years for the, for the what was going to happen here in the book of Acts. And so here it is. Just listen as I read Acts chapter 1. And if you want to write that down so that you can look at it later on, Acts chapter 1, verse 1. Luke, who wrote, The third book in the New Testament, the book of Luke, the gospel of Luke, many times we call it, is also the one who wrote the book of Acts. And in there, verse 1, he says, In my former book, he's talking about the book of Luke, Theophilus, I wrote about, he's talking to his friend Theophilus, In my former book, Theophilus, I wrote about all that Jesus began to do and to teach until the day he was taken up to heaven. After giving instructions through the Holy Spirit, to the apostles, that's the 11 now, to the apostles he had chosen. After his suffering, he presented himself to them and gave many convincing proofs that he was alive. He appeared to them over a period of 40 days and spoke about the kingdom of God. Now, that... Day on the mountain in Galilee is one of, somewhere in there in those 40 days, probably in the first 10 days, somewhere in there. And he said, but about 40 days, he was with them and spoke about the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating with them, he gave them this command, do not leave Jerusalem, but wait for the gift my father promised, which you have heard me speak about. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. I know I told you to go and make disciples, but don't leave Jerusalem quite yet. Wait, because there's a day coming. That he says in verse 5, you will be baptized in a few days. You will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Then they gathered around him, verse 6, and asked him, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom to Israel? He said to them, it is not for you to know the times or dates the Father has set by his own authority. But here, look at this, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Why was that important? Because Jesus had already told them to go make disciples of all nations. And how are they going to do that? He says, you'll get the power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. That's where the power to do all that God has called us to do today. As 21st century disciples, just like for the first century disciples, followers, the 11 and others, At the end of the chapter when they chose somebody to take Judas's place, a 12th disciple to replace, we're told there were about 120 of them as disciples who met. But the 11 or then 12 apostles were the ones who really were the foundation of the church. We're we're told that in other letters in the New Testament. But here it is, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes. Look at chapter two. Move ahead, just a, a few verses, chapter two. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. And I'm not going to take the time to read through all of chapter 2. But that's when the Holy Spirit came on the believers at that point. That's when the church began. The day the church began. This is the day that Jesus had prepared his disciples for to take up the work that Jesus had begun. This is the day and now it's here. And Jesus was gone back to heaven. See, because earlier there in Acts chapter 1, this is 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus went back to heaven to be with the Father. He'd come to this earth, what? As a, hello? A baby, right. He'd come to this earth as a man, as a baby, born. He's now about 30 to 33 years later gone back to heaven after he died on the cross, paid the debt for our sin, was buried, rose again. Forty days later, he goes back. We call that the ascension to be with Jesus. And now the disciples, ten days after that, the day of Pentecost, the day the church begins, their task is to go make disciples of all nations, baptize them, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teach them to obey. That is still our task today, folks. If you know Jesus. And look what happened that day, Peter. We've talked about Peter and all that he was, and well, God was preparing him for the place of leadership at the beginning. On the first day of the church, he preaches a sermon, and at the end, look at verse 41. Those who accepted his message were baptized, and earlier we find out that they had, had believed, and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Wow. Talk about the power of the Holy Spirit at work in the ministry and the message that Peter preached that day. There it is. That's the task that God gave the disciples, the eleven. That's the same task that he's given you and I today. To go and make disciples. Baptize and teach to obey. All of us, that's our job. Now, we say our mission here at Heritage then, Heritage Baptist Church exists to make more people more like Jesus Disciples we've said are followers of Jesus those who have believed that Jesus died in their place for their sins they receive by faith that gift of salvation trust Christ for the forgiveness of their sin and begin that disciple process and when that happens then we begin to tell others to make other disciples, who make more disciples, who make more disciples, and on and on. That's our job. More people, more like Jesus. That's the Great Commission. And as we proclaim the gospel, and see people get saved, see people by faith receive the truth of the gospel, and then are baptized, and then are taught to obey, that's the mission of our church. Now, in light of that, to help us better accomplish our mission here at Heritage, to help us have a better understanding and idea of how we can best make that dis- make f- disciples fulfill our mission, we will be, and we put a letter in your box, your mailbox right down the hallway, not your email inbox, but your you know, that wooden thing, hard stuff, uh, paper in your mailbox. And by the way, you may not realize you have a mailbox, but if you're a regular attender here at Heritage, not just a member, right down the hallway, just past the middle doorway on your, well, if you're going that way, on your right, you'll see a bunch of mailboxes. And on the end of each of that, there is a list of names and the box number that is yours. If you don't have one and want one somehow, let us know. We just put a bunch more out there. And so check your box today. In that box, you will have a letter that is describing uh, a spiritual growth assessment. It's a survey that we Uh, ABWE and their ministry called Every Ethne, which means nation, all nations. That's where they got the name from, Matthew chapter 28. ABWE and our missionaries, Doug Martin, uh, Tim Vermilia, are all part of this, have put together a tool, a survey that will help You and I help us all identify where we are in the spiritual growth disciple-making process. And so we would like you to begin to think about that. And uh, in a couple of weeks, two weeks from today, we're going to make the link live. We're going to give you the link that you can click on. It takes about 10 minutes. You can do it online or you can do it a hard copy the old-fashioned way, fill out paper. Uh, it, we're told it will take about 10 minutes to complete, and we're going to encourage as many of you as possible to do it online, because once you do it online, then all of that information can be put together and analyzed, and, and, and we'll get a report we will also, as I said, have paper copies available for those of you who may not have the wherewithal to do it electronically. But then when you turn that in and it's all anonymous, we're going to have to have some volunteers load it all in into the, into the database. So that's why we're saying if you do it, electronically. It will save us the time to do it. But if you are not comfortable, the most important thing is that you do the survey. And it's about you. You just be honest and talk about where you are in your spiritual growth, where you are in, in that maturing discipleship process that's going on in your life. And there's questions that will be asked, and you put that in, and it's going to allow us to, uh, to move forward as we're able to, and we'll share the results with you so that we can then know what direction to continue to go or not go or a new direction as a church in, in all of the discipleship process that we plan for as a body of believers. So we're excited about this and uh, you can read the letter. If you have questions, please let us know. We'd be glad to answer those questions It's not a difficult thing. Again, it is anonymous so that you can be completely open and transparent with what you say about your own spiritual growth and where you are in your relationship with Christ. We are committed this year. We are serious about discipleship more than we ever have been before. We want to be all in for fulfilling the mission that God has given the church to go make disciples of all nations, baptize, and teach to obey. That's our desire, and I trust this morning that as we look at this, you will seek in every way to become a fully devoted, committed, all-in follower of Jesus. And how do you do that? You seek to become more like Jesus. It's interesting. Jesus said of himself during his earthly ministry, I am the light of the world. But in Matthew chapter 5 and verse 16, he said to the disciples, to those who were following him, to those who were believers, he said, you are the light of the world. You heard us talk about this this past Christmas. Wow, just a month ago. <laughs> and we talked about that the light of the world Jesus is the light of the world but so are we who know Jesus and follow him. And Jesus says in Matthew 5 and verse 16, let your light shine before men. The world in which we live, let your light shine so that people will see our good deeds and give glory to our Father who is in heaven. When people see our light shining, it should point people to our Father in heaven so that they too then can understand their need of following Jesus. Father. I pray, oh God, I pray that we would let our light shine. For those here today who know Jesus, I pray, dear God, that you would open each of our hearts and minds to our responsibility, to the command that you've given to us to go and make disciples, to baptize and teach. To obey, God, that we would be committed to fulfilling the mission you've given to us. And Father, if there are any here today who do not know Jesus, Lord, would you help them to understand that Jesus died in their place for them, for their sins. And if they will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. They can know the forgiveness of sin. Receive everlasting life. And become a follower of Jesus. God would you use your word by the power of your spirit in our hearts today. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Well, we got a job to do, huh? All of us who know Jesus are to go make disciples of all nations. I trust as you lean on the Holy Spirit and his power within you, because if you know Jesus, we've got the Holy Spirit. See, that's what happened the day the church began. The Holy Spirit now became a part of all believers the moment they came to know Christ, doesn't happen afterwards or when you get to day number whatever of your salvation experience. It happens the moment you believe. You get all the Holy Spirit there is to get. And as we allow him to direct us and lead us, the power to be witnesses in this dark world and make disciples of all nations is there. That's our job. What an exciting opportunity. I trust that you will join us as we seek to reach our world for the glory of God. Father, thank you for Jesus. Thank you that he came, that he went to the cross, that he paid the debt that we owed because of our sin. That he made it possible for us to be forgiven. And when we believe, we become no longer an enemy, but a child of God with a job to do. Oh, God, help us to let our light shine so people can know about you, our Father, and Jesus Christ, your Son, and the power of the Holy Spirit to do what you've called us to do. For it's in Christ's name I pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, have a great day. Go make disciples.